This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With Steve Court on Saturday, Friday and Saturday, covering the NFL draft at our Draft Fest coverage. Can't wait to talk to Steve. Glenn Gilbo's on the program tonight. I'm going to talk a little Will Wade, the latest and what he's heard about Joe Oliva's stepping down and how it's not related to the Will Wade situation. Jacob Wass for Tulane Tuesdays from 9.30 to 9.50. And then Kurt Heelan, lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com, talking NBA playoffs. We're also going to play some of Scott Woodward's introductory press conference over in Baton Rouge at LSU as he officially, well, took that job. Well, he took the job, and that happened last week. But for the first time, he talked to the LSU media and everybody over there and that was open to the public. You had lots of LSU fans and booster and alumni there. It's a very interesting scenario. We're going to play that for you and a lot of that at about 8:40. But I wanted to start the show talking about Scott Woodward and his hire and what we saw over there at LSU today because it's a very rare situation when you have seemingly an entire fan base really jacked up about a hire. I mean, you would have to search and search very hard to find a single person who is not completely thrilled with LSU hiring Scott Woodward as their athletic director. Frankly, as they should be, his resume is pretty impeccable, whether that's going back to his time at Texas A&M or whether that's going back further than his time at the University of Washington. And now he's back. This is a local guy, grew up in Baton Rouge, LSU alum, and he seemed eminently happy to be there and there's not a lot of reasons to be pessimistic about this hire even though I have a different take on the Will Wade situation and even though it's obvious to me that Joe Oliva was I mean not forced out but certainly pushed out nudged that way because of his handling of that situation and and the other hires. And, and frankly, I've told you on this show, I thought it was past time that he should have been relieved. I thought that should have happened two to three years ago when he bungled the Les, Myers, uh, Les Miles firing and, and the Jimbo Fisher and Tom Herman situations. But here we are, a new day for LSU, and everybody's excited, and they should be. But it is worth noting the difference between the introductory press conference for Scott Woodward over at LSU and all the hype surrounding that and what we saw last week here in New Orleans with David Griffin, the new Pelicans president of basketball operations. I'm not going to play any sound for you yet. You're going to have to hang around till about 8.35 to hear some of that. But it was very noticeable to me and not saying this is necessarily the wrong strategy. It's just something that must be pointed out. The lack of complete transparency and candor with Scott Woodward. Lots of cliches. Lots of dancing around the subject. There was lots of outright dismissal. 
and dismissiveness of some questions that he was asked. You could tell at moments he was a little uncomfortable talking about certain aspects of how he got the job, who offered it, when did he start talking to LSU, and some of his strategy going forward. If you remember last week, when David Griffin got introduced, I came on the air after that telling you, and this is the, the, the truth from what I saw last week, it was the most refreshing and frankly, the best introductory press conference that I had ever seen and I'd ever been a part of. Because David Griffin was completely honest, verbose, and very descriptive in his answer. He didn't dodge. He didn't dismiss. He answered every single question with a long, detailed explanation of his vision, of his plan, how he got the job, his demands for that job, who he had met with, who he hadn't met with in general terms, not expecting him to give away who exactly he was going to hire, although we're seeing some of that come in now. Now, there's no one way and one right way to run either an athletic department or a professional franchise. There's multiple strategies inside of front offices and inside of athletic departments that work. But if you played the Scott Woodward and David Griffin introductory pressers back-to-back, it would be very stark the difference in the level of complete candor and willingness to explain your vision that David Griffin had and, frankly, Scott Woodward didn't. Now, Scott Woodward has been very successful everywhere he's went. He obviously firmly believes that it's in his best interest not to be completely forthcoming with some of his, again, visions, his strategies for how he's going to run the athletic department at LSU. And that is well within his rights. But it was very, very different from what we heard and what we saw at at Pelicans camp last week. And really, two of the biggest hires for those two organizations in recent memory. We're going to play some of this for you later. I just wanted to get that out of the way at the top. Great day for LSU, it seemed like. Everybody's on board, and I don't think there's any reason to be pessimistic about the Scott Woodward hire, really at all, other than it seems like the expectations may be a little too sky high, even for Scott Woodward. It's it's like if he doesn't turn the baseball program and the basketball program and the football program and the gymnastics program and LSU softball all into consistent national championship contenders, people are going to think that he's a failure. Those expectations seem a little bit too rich. But later in the hour, we'll play some Scott Woodward for you. We're going to take a break. When we come back, let's go ahead and chat with Steve Court, my buddy and co-host on Saints Fans First Take on game days during the football season. And we'll have some time together this week during the NFL draft. Steve Court coming up next on The Last Lap. Ah, yes, it's NFL draft week and it is here our coverage starts on Thursday, Saints Draft Preview with Zach Streif and Deuce McAllister at 4 o'clock. And then it's Bobby and Christian that night on Friday. We start again at 4. Desi Vegas will be at down in Mentor. Can't wait for that. We go to midnight that day, and then we start at 9 a.m. bright and early on Saturday. Steve Cord and I will be there bright and early with you on Saturday. 
And I can't wait for that. It's it's a reunion long time coming. And we told you Steve Court joining us now uh, on the phone lines, former Saints offensive lineman and co-host with me on Fans First Take and Game Day. And, and yeah, Steve, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's I guess it's it, does two years make a tradition? Is it, are we going to call it a tradition now? Sure, you can call it anything you want. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know yeah, you're we excited. That. We, we, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, we're going to be on a Friday night and Saturday, so that's going to be a good deal. Yeah, it is. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, see what happens this year. I, I, there's a you know that that draft is obviously uh, pretty defensive player oriented at this point, but um, and where we are, I'm not sure. You know, we're going to be involved in too much real early, but we're certainly going to be involved, uh, I suspect, a lot late, just figuring the way we've always done business. <laughs> Indeed. It's weird. The Saints only having one pick in the first four rounds, Steve. It's it's almost mm-hmm. the fan base this year is a little apathetic. I've been trying to tell fans, don't be apathetic. Look at the success of the second-round picks previously. We all know the Saints are ultra-aggressive under Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis. But Have you seen the apathy yourself out there? Uh, a little less excitement. Only, I guess, only from the standpoint of you know, we don't have somebody that uh, you know that we're you know we're not in, in, in the in uh, you know the typical fashion, the place where we're going to pick up some you know flashy pick that you've seen in the past you know a couple of years in college football or something. But other than that, uh, I think a lot of people do realize that most of our success has come with players that have been taken uh, two, three, four, you know, five, six, and seven. So um, you know, look. Uh, First-round draft choices are great, and, and we're still hoping that our one from last year uh, comes to fruition. And, and I hope that he takes that big step this year, which is uh, something that obviously happens. Uh, most players make the biggest improvement between their rookie and their uh, and their second year. So we'll hope that uh, that Marcus does that this year. All right, let's not bury the lead here. What are the, what are the needs right now as you see it post-free agency and you know the Unger retirement? What are the what are the needs? The biggest yeah. needs for this team? Well, look just. I can tell you that, look, we need some depth in the offensive line. I can tell you that right now. And, look, the fact that uh, Max decided to do what he needed to do, you know, here in the last, uh, you know, month or so was, uh, you know, you certainly can't hold it against him. It's time, it's time. But, um, look, that puts us in a spot that um, I have a little bit of confidence in, in Cameron, Tom, and what's going on there. But I don't have confidence in, in the other two guys that are there at all. I don't, I don't have any. And, and that to me, now that doesn't mean that, look, Roush is one of the best guys at getting guys ready to go. There's no question about that. He's a terrific coach, and, and I've watched him in, very carefully in the last couple of years especially. And um, he'll, he'll get some guys ready. But at the same time, uh, until you see battle-tested guys um, in our system, I, I – uh, I I don't I don't have the confidence yet, so I'm hoping that I'll see some. Steve, I'm I'm with you there, and I've done shows on how I think that that this is the the biggest issue right now for this team is the uncertainty at center. Can you help explain to our audience just how important yeah. it is to have somebody that not just Drew trusts, but everybody across that offensive line trusts? Well, look, it, it has to. There, it's like anything. It, look, the offense is guided by by your quarterback, and then. Uh, the next guy involved as far as uh, is getting the information to, to how it's going to be disseminated is the center. And so not only is the guy got to be able to, to, you know, to handle his business physically, he's got to make sure that he's, he's able to convey, uh, you know, the line changes and the, and the blocking schemes that change 
uh, passing on the um, excuse me, I lost my train of thought. This year. passing on the, the uh, you know when Drew decides he's going to check down to another play, he's got to obviously change the blocking schemes and able to do that very quickly without uh, you know a lot of reservation and, and actually being able to draw it up the correct way. So uh, the communication part of it's critical, and that that comes with a lot of not only confidence, but it comes with a lot of uh, film study and then really sort of know what you're doing on a different level other than just go out there and say, hey, i got to block my nose tackle. You know, i got to block this, uh, you know, this two-shade or I've got to block this, you know, help the, the guard with a three-shade over here or something. Like that. You have to be able to be uh, sort of multitask out there as far as a center. And, and again, it, it comes with, um, you know, it comes with experience and it comes with, with being able to pull it off. And that, to me, in and of itself is where it's going to be, um, you know, the proof's in the pudding there. So we're going to have to find out and see if we can get a guy down to do that. Yeah, so talking so to Steve Court here, former Saints offensive lineman and part of fans' first take on Saints game days. He'll be part of our big-time draft coverage the next few days. If you have a liability at that spot, Steve, which I think we're in agreement, Cameron, Tom, or uh, Easton both mm-hmm. are right now, how does that filter across that line? How does that affect those other guys if they see a, a liability right in the middle? Well, they're not going to say anything, okay? Uh, at least, at least to, to somebody like you and me. Sure. But, but the, what they're going to do is they're going to, they're going to have some reservations, and they're going to realize they're not going to feel nearly as comfortable knowing, and which is going to make everybody try to do a little bit more than what they should do. Do you understand what I mean? In other words, mm-hmm. your guards and your tackles are now going to have to rely a little bit more on themselves from the standpoint of making sure they know exactly. Uh, what's uh, you know the the, the center the, the new center is trying to disseminate to them, and I think that is where the problem comes in. The communication has got to be first and foremost the thing that everybody's on the same page with, and the calls that are going to be made have to be 100. percent They can't be eh, you know half the time he's making the right calls, half the time he's not. So that confidence or and or lack of that that spawns from that uh, can create a problem, and so I, I think until they get that sort of piece kind of squared away and to where they feel comfortable about it. Uh, and then you're not going to have the, the, the confidence that you have. In, in like a, you know, Drew. Drew's not going to have the confidence that he would normally have in his offense. Yeah, it's just it's a problem that I think they have right now. Uh, would you be okay with yeah. the Saints staying true to form, being ultra-aggressive and trading, you know, multiple picks away to move up uh, again in this draft? Yeah, look, I mean, they do things for the reasons that 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 are, are we have sort of a window of opportunity to really make some um, some great strides here with number nine, you know, being at the helm, and I think that we have to take advantage of that. And so, you know, it's win now. It's not like say, hey, we got to look down the road here for two or three years from now. No, you, you don't do that. Not in this league, you can't do that anymore. And I think they realize that. Um, that our time to, to sort of make that happen is uh, uh, that t- that window is, is, is getting smaller and smaller. So I think that I don't have any problem with them doing that, providing that, you know, obviously they, they trade those picks away. Um, you know, that we get somebody in there that, that they obviously they feel like it's going to really sort of pay off for them. Now, again, that that's, that's sort of what everybody tries to do. Right. So, um, therein lies the problem, but but I have confidence in Mickey and and the, and the rest of the guys there. I mean, they they know what they've been doing, and, and, and typically, I'll just say it this way: they've hit on a lot more drafts than they've missed on. They've missed, sure, they've missed. Everybody's missed because 
not an exact science, but but I think they've certainly have hit on a lot more uh, than they've missed. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I know you're ready. I'm ready. And look, I'll see you bright and early on Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, up on the North Shore Walk-Ons, man. You'll see me there, and you'll also see me uh, Friday evening from uh, – Four or six at Desi Vega. I'll oh, there! Oh, you're with me. I didn't realize you were with me that I'm day. With you. Oh, there I'm you go. Okay. You. All right. Well, there you go. Two. Di- we get, we double that. the fun, man. What's going on? Doubling the fun. Yeah. Well, now I'm even more excited. All right. I'll see you on Friday. I'll see, I'll <laughs> I'll see you on Friday. All, All right. right. Steve Court at Saint Sixty on Twitter, former Saints offensive lineman, and uh, yeah, I, did, I actually did not. I thought I didn't know I was doing the show on Friday with him, but now I'm super jacked. I can do all the shows with Steve. It'd be great. We're going to take a break. When we come back, let's get into Scott Woodward a little bit. We're also going to open up the phone lines to you, LSU fans. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. Thanks to Steve Corday. Breaking news uh, to me, I guess. No, I really, you, you know, if you listen to us during uh, the Saints season, you know Steve and I have an absolute blast together. So Friday and Saturday, he and I, a couple of hours each, getting our draft coverage started. Friday, 4 to 6, Desi Vegas out in Metairie, and then Saturday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. at Walk-On's Bistro and Bar in Covington. Same place that we did it last year, and maybe it's a good luck charm, I guess. I suppose I made it to the NFC Championship game. The big news locally, and it's very rare that something dwarfs the NFL draft here on draft week, but Scott Woodward's hire over in Baton Rouge at LSU certainly has done that. He was introduced today, and I told you in the opening to the show – that A, there's not a lot of reasons to have reservations or, or pessimism about Scott Woodward's hire, and it's very rare you see an entire fan base this excited about an athletic director hire. I mean, you could really search for a very long time trying to find anybody associated with LSU who is skeptical at all about this hire, and you still might not find it. I think that speaks to the resume that Scott Woodward has built, and I believe people should be excited for him. There is a difference from what I saw from Scott Woodward compared to, and we talked about a lot with David Griffin last week. David Griffin, most impressive opening press conference in, and statement that I've ever seen, really, in this industry. I'm just telling you the truth and how honest, open, expansive he was in his dialogue, laying out his vision, and didn't dodge or dismiss any question at all. Now, Scott Woodward had a different philosophy today. I'm not taking shots at Scott Woodward in that area at all he has his own philosophy as he should he's been very successful but as we play some of the sound you'll start to hear lots of cliches lots of dodging and not a lot of uh, true uh, vision laid out for fans in the media i think you'll hear that here and frankly that doesn't really matter a ton as long as He gets the job done behind the scenes. Nobody's really going to remember what he said in his introductory press conference. But it did strike me as uh, maybe somebody who's a little uncomfortable sharing as much as David Griffin did last week. So we'll play some of this now. Scott Woodward over in Baton Rouge. He was introduced first by President F. King Alexander. And then Scott Woodward stepped up to the mic, and here's his opening statement. Hey, there you go. That's Scott Woodward's brief introduction. Then he opened it up for questions. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to place some of those questions and responses to you from uh, the process of getting him here to Baton Rouge and some things he wouldn't talk about and other things that he wouldn't. And some of his vision, at least uh, his philosophy of how to make things work from that position at a big-time university. More from Scott Woodward here on The Last Lap as we continue. 
Seth, your comparative pressers observations of Woodward versus David Griffin would appear to suggest LSU may have hired a reincarnation of Shallow Hal. That from the 985 on the text line. That's an interesting take. It's <laughs> a good text. A little smiley face at the end there. Welcome back to the show. We're talking a little Scott Woodward. He was introduced over at Baton Rouge today. Lots of hype around his introduction. Played his opening statement, but uh, more not concerning at all to me, really, but at least more apparent to me. What stood out to me from this was, uh, to be frank, and again, this isn't a shot at all. I, I know there's going to be people in Baton Rouge listening, and heck, maybe even Scott Woodward's listening, or we'll hear about this. I want to make it very clear. I'm not taking shots at all at Scott Woodward. That would just be silly, considering he hasn't really even assumed the job yet. <laughs> okay? But I think it was apparent that he didn't really, it wasn't as forthright with all of his answers, danced around a lot of questions, and, and was pretty darn cliché. And a lot of the responses, and it was just a stark difference from what we heard last week with the Pelicans. So it, it struck me and it stood out. But we're going to play some of these, and you can judge for yourself um, some of this. Uh, first, he was asked about the the amount of time he's been having conversations with LSU and who first approached him and how long ago did that happen about possibly succeeding Joe Oliva and becoming LSU's next athletic director. So you heard him there. It is dodging a question. I understand why he wouldn't want to reveal who maybe approached him first, because frankly, how it works in college athletics, a lot of times it might be connected boosters, members of TAF, and he doesn't want to give that away, doesn't want to out those people. Totally get that. That's, that's a little different than operating, you know, or making the comparisons to the David Griffin press conference. I kind of get that, but didn't really learn much there, right? A lot of cliche talk. Uh, he did talk about his history. Uh, remember, he's in the state legislature, history of politics, and this is a political job. I think a history in politics and in the legislature will certainly uh, would help anybody in this job that's, again, a lot of fundraising, a lot of handshaking, a lot of um, being out in the public and ingratiating yourself to the alumni, the boosters, and so forth. And you talked about that history in politics. Yeah, and it, like I said, it's a political job. He, t- he talked a lot, and I don't know if this is in every clip we're going to play, but a lot of how he believes that one of his most important traits that's helped him succeed as an athletic director in his career and his other stops has been his ability to listen to what people are telling him and not just try to be the talker, to be the listener, to be the athletic director listener. And and he's right. He's absolutely right there. More from Scott Woodward in a second, but again, open lines for you if you want to talk about Scott Woodward at 504-260-1870. Let's go to Joey in Mandeville. Joey, what's going on today? <laughs> all right, all right. Boy, was he laying it on thick. You notice how he skirted around how it was approached. You know, this man had one foot out the door at A&M at all times. Okay. He approached the Board of Regents at Texas A&M for a raise after two years after he saw what Chris Del Conte was getting at Texas. And when they said no, he got offended. And, boy, did you see how quick he left Texas A&M when he was offered that job? Yeah, but I don't really – I mean, do you really blame him? Do you really blame him for that? I mean, this is his home state. That's his home city. This is his alma mater. Do you really blame him for wanting to come back to Baton Rouge and come back to LSU? Well, yeah, you can blame him. But don't make – come on. Don't tell me that LSU is academically inclined like A&M is. 
Come on. Well, what, what, what are your fa- what are your laying it on thick? I want to see what he does at LSU, and then we well. can praise him. Well, I know that, Joe, look, Joe, I agree with you. I don't want to turn this into a bash session, and I know you're our anti-LSU guy, which I like at times because I like the dialogue you and I have back and forth, the conflicting dialogue there. But I, I, I did say to open the show, I don't know if you're listening, that we can have all the hype and all the excitement around this hire, but it's going to be up to Scott Woodward to deliver on those results. I do feel like, again, the, the expectations are just so astronomically high for Woodward I mean, it's like he's walking on water over in Baton Rouge, and and if he doesn't turn every single program into a national title contender, you're going to have some people that say, well, it was better under Joe Oliva. Look, he had baseball making the College World Series final, and, and LSU won a football title, and baseball did the same thing early on in his tenure, and basketball, he's the one who hired Will Wade, and, and gymnastics was national runner-up a few times. I mean, you're going to have people that say, if Scott Woodward doesn't turn these programs all, every single one of them, into a national champion, that somehow he's failed because of these expectations that are being set. Sometimes I'll tell you, um, you know, lower the expectations and deliver higher. But I don't think that should dampen the excitement around, around Woodward. I mean, he's he's been very good wherever he's been. And remember, that comes from a Washington State University grad who was around that program when Scott Woodward was at the University of Washington, our arch rivals. So I wouldn't be saying that if I didn't absolutely believe it, and I do. Thanks for the call, though, Joe. We'll take a break. More from Scott Woodward when we come back here on The Last Lap. Scott Woodward introduced Stover in Baton Rouge today, the new LSU athletic director. Lots of hype, lots of expectation surrounding him. We'll play some of his sound throughout the show as we go along. One of the things he talked about was the expectations of winning championships in every program at LSU, basically, and really the expectations of turning LSU, um, not turning them, but keeping them at a a very high academic standard that they've set uh, recently over there on campus here's his response when he was asked about that yeah a lot of listening and that's good that it's playing politics is part of this game i think some people don't realize this think you got to be either a business executive or got to know a lot about sports of course you got to be both of those things i think you got to be a great businessman i think you have to know a lot about sports obviously run an athletic department but maybe the most critical skill is the ability to play politics and play it well and raise money and raise it well and fundraise he's done that now, lots of, everything at LSU and really any big-time athletic program focuses on the revenue sports. It's football that's usually just football and basketball. Here, it also includes baseball. But outside of that, LSU's been very successful. We just saw the gymnastics program come in as national runners-up again, even though some people don't want to celebrate that. I think it's a great accomplishment, ladies. You heard it from me. Put up as many billboards as you want. But Woodward talked about the importance of those non-revenue sports. Scott Woodward over today in Baton Rouge. We're going to break for news. Coming up next hour, Glenn Gilbo with the Gannett and USA Today Sports. We'll talk Will Wade and Tulane Tuesdays with Jacob Wass. But right now, we're going live on the WWO Radio Facebook page. We're talking more Scott Woodward. Join us there. Join in that conversation. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 